I'm Alexandra Baton-Bailey, and this is the Beyond the Podium podcast series at the University of Florida. This series focuses on teaching and learning, and we're here with outstanding faculty who share their best tips, tools, and strategies, always with a little humor. In today's episode, we have the privilege of talking with Dr. Jocelyn Algren, one of the outstanding professors at the University of Florida, a cape-wearing superhero. I am a senior lecturer in applied physiology and kinesiology, which is in the College of Health and Human Performance. I actually was really, really lucky. Um, I did my graduate work here, and the semester that I was to defend my dissertation and graduate, there was an opening in applied physiology and kinesiology, um, and so I applied, and so I started my position the semester that I defended, um, which was hard, so that was a rough semester but one I'm really, really grateful for because I got to stay in Gainesville. We've been in Gainesville, my husband and I, for, gosh, 14 years now, and we love it. We're going to stay like you couldn't drag me away from this place. Dr. Algren started her faculty position at the University of Florida in a whirlwind semester. She had little time to plan ahead. This was compounded by the fact that she was preparing to defend her dissertation and the normal struggles and obligations of being a parent. When you first start developing courses, it takes immeasurably more time than you could ever possibly imagine or have. Um, And so that combined with trying to finish writing and polishing my dissertation and preparing to defend that and the anxiety that comes along with that by itself. And then the anxiety of starting a faculty position and developing new courses. And I only had about seven days notice as to which courses I would be developing. So I was developing on the fly. Like it wasn't like I had weeks in advance to kind of plan out my syllabus and make like a really great game plan. I was literally just kind of day by day, okay, I'm going to get you lecture notes tonight, guys, and we're going to talk about this in the morning. Um, So I was lucky, though, my students were really understanding. They were all very accommodating and patient with me, so I appreciated that. But honestly, just the time element was really difficult to overcome. And with a little child, like, he wasn't sleeping through the night yet. He was only sleeping maybe four hours at a time at that point, and it was a little rough. Jocelyn has mastered the challenges of an overloaded semester. She's done so gracefully because she knows the value of transparency and communication with her students. This allows them to be flexible and understanding with her, just as she is with them. Well, I gave them a pretty good heads up. I mean, I was really, that's one thing that I'm pretty good about with my students is I'm extremely transparent. I super believe in communication and like to the nth degree communication. I tell my students I'm hyper communicative because it's just necessary. Um, And so I told them going in that it was going to be a little bit of a rough semester for me and that I needed them to be okay with that if at all possible. And um, I made time for them. So, you know, I have a lot of office hours and I do my best to kind of go over what is the expectation for being able to meet with students. And so I think that helps. But even just being really clear with them from the get-go and transparent that, I'm going to get you your stuff last minute. I apologize, but I'm letting you know right now um, that that's kind of how it's going to be, I think is really key to students being patient with you. And I think that the same is true in reverse. If students let me know in advance that they're going to be late to class, I have no problem with that. Um, Or if they need to leave early or, you know, I mean, it goes both ways. This kind of open and transparent communication does not come naturally to everyone. 
And it certainly doesn't come easily to students, especially since many of them have had challenging experiences with faculty in the past. I think a lot of students have um, experienced bad faculty. I have experienced bad faculty. I think we've probably all had a class with a faculty that we knew didn't really care that much or wasn't particularly uh, good at communication or being transparent and certainly seemed like they had better things to do with their time than be in class with you or meet with you outside of class. Um, I would like to hope that that's the exception to the rule, but sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes that one experience is enough to kind of set students on a sour path um, and have kind of a negative view of faculty. But I think that the reverse can be true. I think that if you experience a really good faculty, that it can also kind of go, oh, well, maybe that's what faculty are supposed to be like. So I never discount the ability to try and turn that around in a student's mind. Um, And so I really hope that I can do that for some students. Every one of us as instructors can impact students in this very positive way. Feedback is one of the primary means by which we can communicate with our students and one of the best ways we can exert influence on them. I think feedback is great on all planes, and especially for students. In a learning environment, you know, there are, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to answer questions wrong, you're going to think conceptually about things incorrectly, and you have to identify those inconsistencies or those wrong answers. Um, But just identifying the fact that it's wrong is not enough, right? That doesn't help you change. And so for me, the feedback element is being able to not just identify it, but correct it. Jocelyn points out that feedback is one of our best tools. It's the secret weapon by which we can help our students. You know, put somebody back on a path where that is a correct train of thought, or that's a better way to approach this problem or how to solve that problem, or this is the right answer because that really is where the educational piece comes in. And it's not just, oh, you're wrong. (laughs) which is awful. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, And I think it's discouraging, right? So when you talk with students and they can't tell you why they got it wrong, that's just unnerving. It's very frustrating. And the same, I I feel the same way. Like if I don't know why, how can can I repair it? How can I do anything about it? Feedback, good feedback, is essential to student learning. Without it, students are left in the dark with only a grade and questions left unanswered. So for me, feedback is pivotal for education, for learning, and um, I think the more specific you can be with it, the better. So knowing this, where do we start? How does feedback really work? First and foremost, do you get why yours is not correct and the correct answer is? Um, And that then tells me where to start, right? If they don't understand why, okay, this is a different conversation. If they do understand why this is right and this is wrong, then I get to go a different path and we get to talk about it, flesh it out, dig into a few more details. Why do you think you answered this then if you know that's right now? What didn't land at the exam? Whereas if you don't know the difference, okay, then let's try to dig in and find out, did you just not study enough? Did you study not the right way? So Feedback is so much more than giving students the correct answer and marking their mistakes. Jocelyn describes good feedback in the following way. So I think feedback uh, should be as immediate as possible, right? I think that feedback is better processed when it's in close time proximity to when the failure happened. So exams are a little hard because sometimes I can't release the exam for students to review that same day. What I would love to, 
I would love for students to take their exam and then come immediately sit down and let's talk about it. I also think that feedback should be as gentle as possible. <laughs> I mean, I think there's value in kind of being very direct. Like I don't pull too many punches with students. If they need me to tell them something a little stern, I will. But I put smiley faces at the ends of all my emails. It doesn't even matter what I'm saying in your email. If I'm telling you how disrespectful you were to me in this email, there will be a smiley face. <laughs> but I am a very emotive type of person. I am a happy person and I like communicating with my students. And I'm confrontational in the sense that I don't mind discussing this uncomfortable topic with you. But I think there's always going to be a positive thing that comes out of it. And so smiley face. Feedback takes time and effort. Knowing your students takes time and effort. Understanding this made me wonder, how does Jocelyn do it all? So I get up really early. <laughs> That's answer number one. Um, I do. I get up at 5 a.m. and I'm every day considering getting up earlier just so I can start my day with stuff that I need to get done at my house sooner. Um, and just generally staying organized at as many possible moments as I possibly can. I, I live by my planner. Um, I, we have a very consistent schedule at my home for all my kids, for myself, for my husband. I, I live by my planner and I live by my lists. Um, <laughs> I'm a listaholic. If Jocelyn could, I think she might convert her students to all be listaholics. But in lieu of that, she focuses on providing a really comprehensive syllabus. One that preemptively answers students' questions. And in the long run, this saves everyone time. I put hours of time into each of my syllabi, even if it's the same syllabus I used for the last eight years. Um, I spend substantial amount of time going line by line through that thing, asking myself, if I were a student and I were reading this, could I use this as a resource to answer questions and figure out what the heck is going on with this class? How much how dependent would I be on this syllabus versus questions that I would ask to an instructor or a TA? And so if I can front load that syllabus with information that will help students kind of stay on track and get what they need information-wise, that's going to help eliminate questions that I'm going to get during the semester about things that are really not necessary for me. Like as a teacher, you don't need me to answer questions about what day is the exam. It's in the syllabus. You can go to that. Right. And so I don't get a lot of questions about syllabus things. I tell students day one, this look at your syllabus before you do anything. Like if you have any questions about anything, even if it's content, go to your syllabus, give it a quick breeze. And, you know, if it doesn't answer, then start looking for other avenues for answering questions. Clear communication with students is vital to Jocelyn's courses. In order to do that, Jocelyn maximizes her use of Canvas, and she offers us another time-saving tip. Can I add one more thing that, that is really, really important for my communications with students, especially with regard to time, is I ask students that are in my classes to only communicate with me through Canvas. Um, so I have my UFL email address, and those email addresses, once I've addressed them and sent them, I just delete them and then they go into my junk box. And when I've got like 3000, I delete those and they get cleared out, but they never save. I can't archive them in any way. But in Canvas, if I require my students to contact me through Canvas, I always archive every student email so that for any reason, if they have 
a petition. Like if they have a medical withdrawal petition that they're putting forward or if they have questions about, remember we talked about or remember you said, I can actually go back and pull out all of my archived conversations with that student and have some kind of a sense of what happened, which is really helpful for students doing petitions. I can go back and specifically say, yes, this student contacted me. She let me know that such and such was going on. She stayed in touch with me. Here are all the emails that she's corresponded with me. So it's really helpful for me on the back end of the class sometimes to be able to have access to those archived conversations with students. So for me, Canvas is pretty pivotal um, with regard to communications. Jocelyn always manages to astound me. I'm so impressed, to say the least, with the work that she does with her students. But I also wonder how she manages to balance all this work with her personal life. So I've gotten much better at saying no to things that are just really not 100% necessary. So it used to be when I was an early in my faculty that if my door was open and I like keeping my office door open, the students would come by and they say, oh, is this your office hours? Um, and I used to say, well, no, it's not. But, you know, come on in. I can help you. And I'm happy to do that. And I'm still happy to do that. But I have found that that leached a lot of my valuable time and it was hard for me to keep doing that. I just couldn't get anything done. So now I'm a lot better at saying no to students and asking them to go rely on other resources or, you know, asking that they kind of respect my personal time so that I can be more effective when I am with them. Um, and so that, you know, we can have a more set schedule. Um, as much as I like to be available to students, I just can't be at all times. So it, it's gotten much easier for me to say no. I would love to know Jocelyn's secret. What is that special ingredient that helps her keep her sanity despite all the craziness of her work? Um, but I really try to devote time to things that are like super, super, super important that I like fundamentally, like on a principal basis, I am not letting go of this thing, like my exercise and my personal 15 minutes. It's not even that much time in the morning, but 15 minutes is enough to kind of satisfy my, okay, that was my personal time today, you know, and if I do that, it's a little easier to kind of go into my day of chaos and come out on the backside still okay. Jocelyn approaches every aspect of teaching, even the challenging ones, in such a positive manner. I can't help but think that this impacts her students enormously. It really is what I think makes her a teaching superhero. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Beyond the Podium podcast series. For more tips, tools, strategies, and resources on teaching at the University of Florida, or to find out more about future episodes, visit the teach.ufl.edu page. And we'll see you next time.